Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. Do you struggle on a day-to-day basis with staying happy and finding the drive to achieve your goals? As someone who has struggled for years with anxiety and depression, I understand how much of a fight it can be every day. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp assesses your personal needs and matches you with one of their licensed professional therapists. You can start communicating within 48 hours of registration, and it's not a crisis line or self-help. It's real, professional therapy done from the comfort of your own space. BetterHelp has a network of 20,000-plus therapists that are available to clients worldwide. You can log in and send a message to your therapist at any time and get timely and thoughtful responses. And you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you'll never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room again. Because let's be real, therapy is intimidating enough. It should be as comfortable as possible. BetterHelp is also committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so it's super easy to change therapists if you need to. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional therapy, especially since financial aid is available, because BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. To get started on a path to a happier life, visit betterhelp.com slash therapy. That's better, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. There's also a special offer for Unit Therapy listeners. If you guys use the link betterhelp.com slash therapy to register, you'll get 10% off your first month. Again, that's better, H-E-L-P.com slash therapy. Start healing your mental health today. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to You Need Therapy, the Happy People podcast. Or in more realistic terms, the mental health podcast for young adults, where we talk about everything mental health related, and we have the conversations that no one wants to have because they're uncomfortable. So welcome to the community. I'm so glad you're here, and let's hop right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Uni Therapy. If you're new here, my name is Emily. I am here to hold your hand as we walk through the crazy ups and downs of mental health together. If you're not new here, thank you so much for continuing to come back, listen to these episodes, support the podcast, support me, and just be a part of this constantly growing family that we have here. It means the absolute world to me. So typically, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I start each episode with what I like to call my life breakdown. Basically, that's where I just loop you guys in on what's been going on since we last talked, any highs, any lows of my week, you know, any big news. I just kind of like to share that with you guys because we're friends here and I want it to feel like a conversation between friends. However, I don't do that on episodes where we have a guest because I like to just hop right in to chatting with them. And we are lucky enough to have a guest today um, for today's episode. We have a lovely lady named Meta. She's also ADHD-like on Instagram. And she was so gracious enough to come onto the podcast to discuss living with ADHD and how to improve your ADHD symptoms. Now, this is... A, a topic that I don't have any personal experience in and I don't have any knowledge on. So I was so 
so excited for her to come on because this is this is a topic that I've been wanting to discuss to discuss this is um an episode that I've really been wanting to do for a long time so when I finally found someone to come on and talk about it I was over the moon about it so I'm so excited about today's episode um I will be linking her Instagram in the description of the episode if you want to head over to Instagram message her, have a chat, look through all her Instagram posts because they are amazing and they are so, so educational and so insightful and I learned so much from A, getting to talk with her and B, just scrolling through her Instagram before I even reached out to her about being on the podcast. I had scrolled through her Instagram and I was like, holy shit, I'm learning so much, so, so much. It's incredible. Her Instagram is amazing. So please go to her Instagram, check it out. Look through all their posts, message her, do whatever you want to do with this information. So, yeah, I uh, I think we're just going to get right on into the episode. I hope you enjoy hearing everything that Meta has to say as much as I did. And, um, yeah, we're going to get on into the episode. Um, Alrighty, so I guess we'll just get right into it. Um, so, starting off, would you just like to introduce yourself and what you do? Yes, uh, my name is Meta. I'm also known as ADHD-like on Instagram. I am an ADHD mentor, um, which means I help inspire people to work with their ADHD to make healthy changes in their life so that they can thrive, basically. Awesome. I love that. So what kind of sparked the interest to, to get into that? Was it your own personal experience or...? Uh, yeah, basically, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD a few years ago um, when I was just turning 25. And during that process, I really felt like I didn't have a lot of information. I didn't know a lot about ADHD. So creating this account was my way of both learning about it and giving that information to someone else who might need it. Yeah, I love that. So it was kind of uh, hand in hand, you learning and with everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that. Um, alrighty. So to kind of get a brief overview for those who might not know or understand it as much, what is ADHD and kind of what are the biggest impacts that it can have on, on people? Right. ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. So it's very common. Um, it's estimated that about one in 10 children have it. And with adults, uh, I think it's about 2.8% or something like that. So it's a bit lower. Um, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder, which means that it influences the brain and how it functions. Um, and also how it's like, it, how it develops. Um, basically, this can cause uh, this can cause difficulties in regards to social, emotional, and cognitive abilities. So you would be having big difficulties with keeping up with friendship, uh, regulating emotions, sustaining attention, mm-hmm. planning ahead, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the biggest struggles, uh, biggest struggles I've noticed um, people with ADHD have is that we're very sensitive um, to all of the experiences life has to offer. And that can both be amazing and it can be a real struggle. Like for some people, rejection can feel physically overwhelming. Um, But on the other hand, a great experience can also make you feel completely ecstatic. So 
you know, it, it, it varies a lot. Okay, so it's kind of like both ends of the, both ends of the spectrum, it can be great or just overwhelming. Gotcha. Exactly. I mean, if you have one thing, then you probably also have the other, you know, you have right. both the dark and the light, so to speak. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so I know one thing that you said that you were passionate was talking about of was the nervous system. Um, so how does the nervous system of someone with ADHD differ from someone, the nervous system of someone who doesn't? Yeah, actually what I just, um, told you about, you know, um, how people with ADHD are very sensitive to experiences. That's some of that, you know, um, with ADHD, you have an interest-based nervous system. That's one of the things, which means that you're not motivated in the same way as people who don't have ADHD. So for example, you can hyper-focus on a topic for hours at a time, as long as you find it interesting, which is, which is kind of interesting because people usually don't connect ADHD with having, you know, great focus or something like that. So when that's one stereotype busted, um, but also the second thing, and I think the most important thing about ADHD is that I also believe that you have a more sensitive nervous system when you have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically means that your body and your brain are more prone to getting impacted by both positive and negative experiences in your life. Mm-hmm. So you basically experience life at this enhanced and profound level, but you know, that might also make it really difficult to have very big emotions and you know how do you regulate that 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 can be really difficult okay so i've never this is adhd is one of those i've been i've been trying to find someone to come on to talk about this for so long so i was so excited when you when you agreed because this is one of the things that i was i've always been really interested in because it's not something i have any knowledge in or anything so and I, uh, I actually, I follow someone, she's, she's another podcaster, but she's like 30 and she just got diagnosed with, with ADHD and she's been talking about that. So it was just something really interesting. Um, so I'm actually going to skip ahead a couple questions, um, since we're on that. Cause so you said you were diagnosed at 25 and then, so I mean, we were talking about she's diagnosed at 30, um, how common is it for someone to get diagnosed later in life like that? Because I know a lot of times it is diagnosed in childhood, um, but how common is that for, for it to be diagnosed well into adulthood? It's actually most common not to get diagnosed at all if you reach adulthood, oh. which is kind of scary, especially if you're a woman. Okay. Um, it's I think it's about 20% of adults uh, who have ADHD are diagnosed. Wow. Uh, so that means like 80% of people who are adults who have ADHD are not diagnosed. Uh, so it's actually kind of scary, especially women, um, mm-hmm. because women usually present differently than men do. Okay. They're more, um, their symptoms are more introverted, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So instead of, instead of someone, now I'm just speaking like, generalization this is not does not count for everyone but generally men usually are very outwardly hyperactive so you see it in the way that they behave but a lot of women they don't do that the hyperactivity is a lot inside their heads with like overthinking and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and it's really difficult to 
to diagnose that and for mental health providers to know what's going on mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't know that it's not normal if you've been like this your whole life how are you going to go out and say hey i think there's something wrong uh, my thoughts are running at you know 100 miles per hour mm-hmm. well, okay i did, had no idea that's crazy um now is it is it something that is developed in childhood and then you just go up into adulthood just not knowing or is it something that you cannot have in childhood and develops later on like how does that work um no they usually as a part of the test uh when you're screened for adhd one of the things they you have to like that's qualifying for you to have adhd is that you've presented with symptoms in during childhood so it's something you're born with Okay. Uh, it's not just, you know, yeah, okay. something you have. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I'm learning so much already. I love it. Um, all right. So going back to the next, we're going back in order now. Sorry, I got a little out of order on the questions. Oh, um, what is emotion, emotional dysregulation and what role does it play in ADHD? Yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned a little bit earlier, Um, people with ADHD often experience having really big emotions and that's a part of it. You know, if if you're emotionally dysregulated, then you're unable to effectively manage and regulate your emotions. And these sort of things can be extra difficult if you have ADHD and by extension, a sensitive nervous system. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is part of the reason a lot of people also struggle with like procrastination, anxiety, depression, rejection sensitive dysphoria at least in you know um adhd context um because this um the sensitive nervous system makes it difficult for you to regulate your emotions and if it's difficult to regulate your emotions then you have difficulties uh regulating you know when you're sitting down with a task and you're kind of feeling overwhelmed which people with adhd often do with big tasks uh, this overwhelm can lead to like a little bit of shame and like a little bit of fear. Mm-hmm. If you if you're unable to regulate that emotion, then you're not going to be able to start up the task, mm-hmm. and that's actually a big part of why procrastination is a thing for people with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that also means that you know if you learn how to regulate and integrate difficult emotions, that can be life changing for people with ADHD. It's a really important tool, and. Yeah, that's why it's important to to learn nervous system regulation and working with with the body mm-hmm. uh, when you have ADHD, at least if you want to be able to manage your symptoms and your ADHD better. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. So you you talked about you just mentioned you know taking care of your body um, to support and and you know regulate all of that. So how like how important is it for someone with ADHD to take care of their body just as well as they're taking care of their brain? And like, what are some of those things that you can do to take care of your body? Like what's, what, what are some of those things to help with that? It's, it's super important, first of all, to, to take care of the body because everything is connected. The brain and the body is connected. It's not just separately, you know, big brain and body and like, cut it off at at the neck that's not how it works you know so so it's super important because in the nervous system I'm talking about nervous system again because that's what that's what connects the brain and the body Mm -hmm. and um 
through this nervous system that helps us regulate our emotions and our bodily functions, essentially, uh, 80% of the information that goes through those pathways goes from the body and up to the brain. So only 20% goes from the brain and down to the body. So that means that there's a lot more information flowing, you know, downwards, no, how do I say it? You know, down from down to up. Right, right, right. Gotcha. <laughs> not, not a very, yeah, it was a bad way of framing, phrasing it, but essentially that. Gotcha. And that means it's like, we all know if you've been given a task, it's much easier to learn how to do that task if it's something you don't know by doing it hands-on mm-hmm. and learning it through like doing it mm-hmm. instead of sitting in a classroom and hearing a, um, a lesson about it. So it's essentially the same way with the body and the brain that if you want to do something for maximum impact, your body understands and learns much better when you do it in the body instead of in the brain. It's like if you have uh, emotions that are making you feel like kind of triggered, you can't think your way out of fear and anger and shame. You can't really do that, Mm -hmm. but you can learn how to regulate your body and through, um, it could be through meditation, through physical activity, um, like physical self-soothing, um, touching, like gently touching your body. It's, it's more advanced than that a little bit, but not much. So you can kind of learn it through doing these things. And when you do it through the body, your body learns to feel safe easier than if you just try to think your way through this through this hardship and through the anxiety and the fear and stuff like that okay so so you kind of like you need to give like a physical outlet for kind of for that for those thoughts exactly and and sometimes it's not even an outlet sometimes it's also just sitting down with your feelings Mm -hmm and learning how to feel them instead of think them because a lot of times you know when there's a lot of feelings uh, it's mm-hmm. easier to just go up here and try to solve the problem right but that's not how you that's not how you integrate the emotion that's not how you you know get through to the other side right but it's really by feeling what you're feeling in the body the physical sensations that you know i read somewhere that if you're if you feel your feelings in your body, the physical sensation, like, oh, I'm feeling like a tingling in my shoulders, tension and, you know, stuff like that. If you keep doing that for like 90 seconds, it's 90 seconds take it takes for the emotion to pass through the body. So that's a lot less. Of course, if you're triggered, that's like, if it's a lot, if it's too much and overwhelming, mm-hmm. it's not going to work that way. It's going to take a little bit more right. and, you know, calming the body down over time and learning that, you know, the world is a safe place to be in, but overall it, 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 yeah. When you learn that emotions can run through you very much, very much like easier. That's so interesting (laughs) because I don't, I feel like even, I feel like I just, I don't think really most people, regardless of if you have ADHD or not, like know that know to feel because like I know I'm an I'm an in my head person a hundred percent but I feel like that's most people because I I guess I don't ever I've never kind of had that correlation of like your feelings in physical sensations that's so interesting 
Yeah, I think I think most people don't know, as you say, but mm -hmm. the problem is that when you have ADHD, mm -hmm. the emotions are much bigger. Right. So they can actually, if they're just stuck in you and you just don't feel them, you just like lock it down. Mm -hmm. Like these things are signals from your body that something is wrong, that mm -hmm. something is off, that it doesn't feel safe. Mm -hmm. They're not going to go away until you convince the body that you're safe. Mm -hmm. So with these huge emotions from like a sensitive nervous system, that can really do a lot of, that can wreck a lot of havoc, I like to say. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's even more important to know when you have ADHD. Right, and I was, I was, a, I, you're actually my second interview today. I, I, at eight, I was talking to a therapist. She, um, who specializes in um, borderline personality disorder. And we we're talking about the connection between that and also bipolar disorder and then also ADHD, um, how all of those are kind of those like really big emotions. So I'm assuming that also kind of learning how to really feel those feelings is also important for, you know, those two other things as well. Yeah, uh, I would assume yeah. that would, uh, would be important. I don't know as much about... Uh, bipolar and uh, borderline but I would assume that would be the same you know the same case mm -hmm. um I mean some people with ADHD also have bipolar and mm -hmm. and border and or borderline mm -hmm. um there are a lot of different things that you might struggle with if you have ADHD usually people have at least one comorbidity like they have at least one other diagnosis like mm -hmm. anxiety or depression or yeah, right. something like that. So right. there's probably a lot of overlap, both in symptoms and in ways of managing. Right. And then those, you know, that if you have ADHD or bipolar or borderline, and then you also have anxiety or depression on top of that, those, you're going to feel those a lot more than someone who just had anxiety, right, would? Exactly. Exactly. That's going to be, like, amplified. Gotcha. So it's... It, I, whenever I have, have people on to talk about, you know, different stuff, it always shocks me how the brain works in, in each individual. Um, alrighty, next question is, um, how important is positive self-talk when you're someone with ADHD? What's kind of the impact that that's gonna have? Um, well, generally speaking, people with ADHD, at least the ones I've talk to and the ones I know, mm -hmm. they tend to be very hard on themselves. Right. They have a, like a super strong inner critic, mm -hmm. like whenever they make a mistake, uh, I know this for myself as well, whenever you make a mistake, it's just like, oh, that was so dumb. Why did you do that? Mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes it's not even that, that voice, it's just like a feeling of dread because you, you kind of blame yourself for something. So there's not a lot of self-compassion there. Mm -hmm. So it's really important, essential even to to be able to to talk in a nice way to yourself or at least learn how to do that because I think a lot of people are very like brought up with the fact that we're very hard on ourselves for our mistakes so I, I think especially in like with ADHD you're growing up in a world where you feel like you're a little bit different mm -hmm. um I know for myself that when I was growing up I felt kind of off compared to my peers, uh, I, I didn't really know how to explain it, but I just felt a little bit different. I don't know if it's like the maturity level, people with ADHD generally act a little bit younger 
than they are age-wise. Um, so that might be a thing. But, you know, growing up in a world where you feel like you're really different from people around you um, makes it even more important that you feel good about yourself and feel good about who you are. Because if you don't, then that that can be really hard. And then life can kind of <laughs> take you down. Right. So, and I mean, like ADHD has also very positive sides. Um, you can have like a lot of empathy and compassion and creativity. I know people without ADHD also have these things, but uh, they're more pronounced in people with ADHD. Right. So very important to focus on. (laughs) Yeah, I'll focus on the positives. Um, Exactly. And then with that, I so you you know you talk about growing up that when when you have ADHD you can feel that kind of difference. Is that especially? And I know I know everything surrounding mental health and everything is a lot better now. But like you know, like thirty years ago when it, when I feel like no one you know understands this stuff and there's kind of that negativity. Does that just like? worsen it as you get into adulthood especially if it's not diagnosed absolutely I uh, remember even just a few few years ago back when I was diagnosed Mm -hmm. I kind of like when my psychologist told me she thought I had ADHD I went straight home and had like went into like a black hole for like Mm -hmm. three days I was I was wrecked (laughs) I was really sad Mm -hmm. um and that's genuinely because even back then and three years ago, that's a lot more information about ADHD than there was 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But the general public does not necessarily know about this. Right. So learning and the, like he, just hearing the term ADHD felt like, you know, it felt like a death sentence and it's, it's not, you know, um, so I think, the more knowledge there is in the general population among the general population of people know what it is. And that doesn't just count for ADHD that counts for every single, you know, bipolar borderline stuff like that. That's very stigmatized. Mm -hmm. I think the more information that there is, the more, the more okay, it's also going to feel and the less you're going to feel alienated from your peers Mm -hmm. by, you know, being like, like, having ADHD. Right. Yeah. Well, because I, I just, I know, I feel like even, because I just, I just graduated high school in 2020. Um, and I know in like going through public school, that was just never something that was discussed or, or you know, taught how to, how to handle it. And I feel like, I mean, I, I'm assuming that's really important, especially because it's one of those things where you have really big emotions, really amplified and so when that comes out in public schools, I'm I'm guessing like that's harmful when it's not when you don't know how to when no one knows how to handle that or have any knowledge on it. Yeah, totally. And and even I think I think my parents were stumped even, you know, mm-hmm. some like in school, absolutely. I I raged a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to say that I did. Um But also my parents didn't really know what to do with me a lot of the time um, because I had a lot of, you know, I I, I remember they told me a story about I had to go to kindergarten, the kindergarten, and I would just not put my socks on. I would not be wearing socks because 
I didn't like the feeling of the the edge of the sock where it's like sewn together. Mm -hmm. That feeling was just apparently awful on my feet. And with ADHD, it's more sensitive and stuff like that. Um, So I would throw a tantrum and they would have to send me off to kindergarten without any socks on because they just didn't know, you know, they didn't know what it was. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know that maybe I needed different types of socks or whatever. (laughs) So it can kind of... uh, People don't really know how to handle it. Right. And what would be, like, your, your I don't know, your best piece of advice to, like, to parents or, or teachers or, you know, even friends of, you know, for someone who has ADHD, how to, you know, what would be the best way to handle those situations? I think the key word for me is compassion. Okay. Um, because when a child is upset and that doesn't just go for ADHD. That's for any child upset at any time. They, they're trying to tell you something that they can't say with words Mm -hmm. when they're crying, they're trying to tell you something, but they can't necessarily say it to you. Mm -hmm. So I think the ideal way to sort of handle it is to be calm yourself Mm -hmm. And try to sit down and understand what's going on. Because even if you don't, um, even if you can't recognize the fact that it might be ADHD or something else, just being there and being compassionate can make, can make the child, like would have made me feel very accepted, even if I reacted differently than what other children might have reacted. I feel like I have such a, like, the compassion part, because I feel like I, I was, I was a nanny, I will, I, I still am a nanny, but for a, a, the longest time I was a nanny for this little girl, and, and she was just very angry all the time, there was a lot of anger that would, you know, she would scream at me and all this stuff, and I was like, I was trying to sit down, and then I, her dad would just be like, because he, he was working from home, um, and he'd like come in the room because he'd hear it and he was just like, it was kind of like that, stop that, calm down, you're being bad. Like, I, I, I imagine, especially if, you know, if that's a, a bigger underlying, you know, like borderline or ADHD or whatever, um, incredibly invalidating and, and kind of detrimental to then how you're growing up and, and going about those issues. Absolutely. And I think... I think that goes for anyone. Yeah. If, if, you know, as an adult, if you're told, if you're really upset about something and you're crying and someone comes over to you and says, stop that, you're being bad. Mm-hmm. Like, who would say that? And that would not fix anything. I think that's right. the same kind of thing with, with children, even just like respect, respect the emotions because they're trying to tell you something. Right. Like you're, you're feeling, you're feeling what you're feeling for a reason. Exactly. And people might not agree with that reason. They might think like, why are you crying over that? But it's obviously important. Yeah. If, if you know the child or if the child's crying. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. I was, I was, I, I keep hearing of like children and when it comes to emotions, like we treat them so differently than we treat adults when it comes to emotions. And I think that's crazy because they're still people. They're still human beings. They're just littler human beings. 
yeah, they're just tiny human beings who don't, and they have even less knowledge of what is going on around them. So everything's going to be so overwhelming. Like, can we, can we judge them for that? Can we blame them for that? Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to get mad just because they're, they're feeling stuff. Yeah. But I think we're all like, whenever a child cries, I think like, I know we're a bit off topic right now, but I feel like doesn't that elicit like sort of a physical response of like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with it. That it might be our own inability to handle the feelings that this child crying elicits in us. Mm. But that might be the real struggle that it's uncomfortable to see someone crying. And if you don't know what to do with it, then the instinct is just going to be like, please stop that, you know, just calm down. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's such an interesting way to think about that. Huh. Yeah. It is because it, I mean, it is uncomfortable when someone's crying or upset. You're really kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's a, a little off topic, but I still relevant. <laughs> very still relevant. Very good. Um, all right, but but kind of back to what I was asking of that, how to deal with that is compassion. I like that. Yeah. Everyone, I think everyone can show a little more compassion to everyone. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're going to move on to our last question, and that's um, we've discussed a lot, and I've learned a lot, and that's I love that because I, I, I love people coming on here with, with different views, and I have a different education and learning. I, it's one of my favorite things. Um, so out of everything that we've discussed today, what is kind of the one – thing or you know a couple things just the big kind of point that you'd like listeners to take away from the conversation I think there are two things um first I think that one of the most important things you can do for yourself and everyone else is as I told you the keyword compassion um you don't know what other people are going through with their mental health so just maybe stop assuming and be a bit more compassionate to the struggles of other people. And I think the second takeaway from this is that you absolutely have agency over your ADHD and how it affects you. Um, Like we talked about the nervous system, we talked about emotional dysregulation, procrastination, anxiety, all of these things you can't really change the fact that you have ADHD, but you can, to an extent, change how severely the symptoms impact you. So like making a change with ADHD is super difficult. I'm not gonna say it isn't. Mm -hmm. It's even more difficult than making a change as a neurotypical person. And I think those people might have it hard enough making a change as it is, but having ADHD and not making a change that is just as difficult because then you just have to live with the symptoms as they are. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to choose your difficult in this situation. Mm -hmm. And I do know that a lot of people don't have the resources to hire a psychologist or a coach or a mentor to help them with these things. But Mm -hmm. there are likely some changes that you are able to make in your life if you want to. And even if that means like doing 15 jumping jacks in the living room a day or, you know, going to bed 10 minutes earlier or doing research on Google and Instagram for some free knowledge that you might be able to implement, then there's always something you can do, a little thing, and a little thing can go a long way. Mm -hmm. But that's only if you want to. 
and you know anyone gets to decide and gets to choose what they want to do with their lives and there's no shame either way if you decide to do something or you decide to not do something but it is possible i love that what a what a wonderful note to end on and i love that there are people like you with your instagram and and the knowledge that you're sharing on there while you're learning it yourself as that resource for for people to make those little changes that's great happy to hear that oh, oh no i i i found you because i to i always i i like scroll through my my explore page because it's always always mental health stuff and i'm like okay who do i who i'm again i, I stumbled upon your page and i was like this is incredible because even for me i because i'm not someone who has adhd but still being able to learn and and know that so that I, you know, I can show more compassion and I can I can be better educated to to help. That was I love it. I love everything that you're that you're doing. Thank you. Of course. Can I just say that I really love that you're doing this podcast. It's just awesome spreading spreading knowledge about this sort of thing. It's so important. So you're you're doing the same type of work that I'm doing, just Thank in a different you. medium. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, well, I was I started I started this during quarantine because I was like, well, I'm bored. What else do I have to do? But I was like, I I you know because I struggle with with anxiety and depression, and I was like, it's easier when you know that you're not alone, that there's other people, that there's there's so so you know that's why I find people that I don't have, you know, knowledge on, so that there's like, oh, someone else can can show that there's there's always people out there that you can relate to. So cool. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much, seriously, for coming on. I had, I love this conversation. This is so insightful. I learned so much. It's crazy. Happy to hear that. I'm happy to help out. I love it. Thank you so much. I will be um, linking your Instagram in the description of the episode. So whoever wants to reach out absolutely can go do that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me. Alrighty, my wonderful, beautiful, amazing human beings. That is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I hope that you got something out of it, whether that be you were someone who didn't really have any experiences or knowledge on ADHD and you learned a lot, like me. Or if you are someone with ADHD that was able to feel heard and seen and not so alone after today's episode. And I hope that, you know, you also were able to take away something from from all the incredible, helpful tips that Meta shared. Um, I cannot express my gratitude for Meta coming on the podcast today enough. Um, really, it seriously meant the world to me. Loved the conversation. I loved talking to her. She was such a joy to talk to. I felt just just so much joy the entire conversation and learned so much. So I hope you guys did too. Um, like I said in the beginning of the episode, I will be linking her Instagram in the description of this episode. Um, so if you want to head over to her Instagram, just check it out. If you want to message her, you know, whatever you want to do, uh, that Instagram will be there along with mine, um, my two, my personal and my, um, the Instagram for the podcast, like they always are. Those will all be linked in the description of the episode. 
and yeah that's i think really all i have to say again please give meta the biggest thank you and um yeah just know that you guys are so loved and you are heard and you are seen and you are not alone and i am so proud of you for wherever you are in life for whatever you've done today this week at all whatever you're doing wherever you are i am proud of you and you are doing amazing you really are wherever you're at is exactly where you're supposed to be if you have not heard it yet today i love you so 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 much you matter you are just so incredible for continuing to push on through life and the world and everything crazy that happen is happening around us so i am so proud of you you are incredible you are loved you are heard you are seen and you are not alone I love you all so, 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 so much, and I will talk to you in the next episode.